This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Pennsylvania talking about a serial killer that took the lives of young women across a neighborhood in Philly. Then we'll discuss a story about a house of horrors that was depicted in the film Silence of the Lambs. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Keystone State. Death by strangulation is one of the most popular methods of murder employed by serial killers. These killers want to feel the life go out of their victims' bodies, making it an incredibly personal way for a murderer to end someone's life and a horrific way for a victim to die. There have been lots of sadistic serial killers who strangled their victims, including the Dark Strangler, the Hillside Strangler, the Boston Strangler, and even the Taco Bell Strangler. Research on homicidal strangulation has shown as much as 75% of the victims are females and infants. The most frequent motives for homicidal strangulation have been rape, sexual jealousy, and personal rivalry. Strangulation has been firmly associated with sexual and sadistic murders, and has been found to be the cause of death in 67% of sexual murders. In the fall of 2010, a serial rapist was on the prowl in the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. So Kensington divides the Lower Northeast and North Philadelphia. According to reports, Kensington is a primarily low-income area after the loss of its industries in the 1960s. Pretty much it lost a lot of its working-class population to the suburbs. Kensington is considered to be one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Philly for its gun violence and drug markets. According to AreaVibes.com, Kensington's crime rates are 123 higher than the national average. 123% higher. I'm not coming for you, Philly. I love it there, but we all have patchy areas. I mean, we, we know. We're in Little Rock. There's a lot of patchy areas here, too. Well, by October of 2010, several women reported being sexually assaulted in the area. And based on the descriptions, it sounded like it could be the same man. On November 3rd, a young woman's body was found just partially clothed in a trash-strewn lot ringed with barbed wire. It was adjacent to an abandoned warehouse. This turned out to be Elaine Goldberg, a 21-year-old nursing student. Elaine was overcoming a drug addiction, and prior to her murder, she was looking for an alcohol and drug-free Halloween party to attend. By this time, she was approximately 30 days sober, so she was working on it. She was getting there. So no drugs or alcohol? Yeah. It exists, I guess, but it probably is hard to find an alcohol-free party. It's hard to find an alcohol-free party for us. Yeah. So that would be very difficult. Well, one day she went out and didn't return home by sundown, and she lived with her family, so they started to worry. Her father went out looking for her and also tried calling her friends. They were shocked and devastated when they received the news about her body being found. So she did find a Halloween party? I don't know if she did or not. It just, all the articles talked about her trying to find one. But not that she attended one. Not that she did. Yeah, not that she did. But she was overcoming a drug addiction, but they still, they didn't think that had to do anything with the murder. But the local news, of course, focused on that. Always. Yeah, and that really upset her family. 
So the police in the beginning were thinking, oh, well, this maybe this is just a drug overdose. But the killer seemed to pose her body with her hips propped upwards. So basically, she was posed in a way that would not be natural at all. And I mean, she also had DNA on her, so hello. But that's just what they thought when they first. I hate when a killer poses someone's body. I know. I don't. I don't like you've done enough. Just walk away. And unfortunately, we don't know why that ever happens. I always wonder what, like, what's the, I don't know. But just the shock. Yeah. Yeah. So just 10 days later, 35 year old Nicole Piacentini's body was found in a similar fashion around half a mile away from the scene of Elaine's. Her hips were also propped up in the same manner of Elaine's. Nicole was a sex worker and did have a history of drug and prostitution charges. But her friend Kat said that she was a good protective friend and a nice person. She just couldn't shake her drug addiction. On the street where they worked, nicknamed The Stroll, Kat said she would warn other workers about walking dates. What a walking date is, instead of a John approaching in a car, just driving up and rolling down their window, they walk by. And Kat said in an interview that it's more dangerous because they want you to go down an alleyway or off where nobody can see you. So not, not super safe. Mm -mm. She said that if she's in a car, she can always jump out and she feels safer that way. And she can also tell a guy where to park. So she knows someone will hear her if she screams and she can see a door to bang on if something happens. Just terrifying to have to think about that. But that's smart. You got to know your exit. Yeah. So in the article I read, they wrote that all of the sex workers talked about how the Philly PD would ignore episodes of physical and sexual violence against them. They said the Johns don't fear repercussions because they know the cops aren't going to do anything about it. And it was almost casual how they would assault them. Infuriating. And it's not just Philly. It's sex workers everywhere. It's like, well, they asked for it. No, the fuck I didn't. Yeah. I need 20 bucks, not my brains bashed in. Yeah, it's like. That's not what they're there to do is get assaulted. No. It's still consent. Yeah, they still need consent. And one sex worker named Patty, who was also a friend of Nicole's, said, I have been raped out here so many times. And every time I told the cops that I was tricking at the time I was raped, they told me to just keep walking. They wouldn't even make a report. And the vice squad cops are scumbags, man. They'll put you in the squad car and make you suck their dicks or they'll arrest you. The Philadelphia PD has denied, of course, that they've... What are they going to say? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, they've actively... They're like, no, we've never actively ignored reported incidents. They just don't want to talk to us because they don't want to be in trouble for drugs or blah, blah, blah. So, of course, they're going to deny it. While police initially claimed that there was no indication that the two murders were connected, which seems odd, but whatever... Tests conducted on DNA collected from both crime scenes was later matched to the same unknown perpetrator. So, the DNA matches. Upon announcing this, several other women came forward and claimed that they had been assaulted by a stranger. Two of the survivors were able to help provide the police with a description that was enough to generate a sketch. Based on their description, he was a young, light-skinned, black or Latino man with a neatly trimmed goatee and close-cropped hair. One of the women said the attacker referred to himself as Anthony and that he was soft-spoken. The media dubbed him the Kensington Strangler. When people call them, or when the media calls someone a strangler, it makes it sound so scary. I don't know. 
Like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just something like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. In one instance, a woman told police that a man grabbed her, held a box cutter to her neck, dragged her to a vacant lot, demanded she undo her pants, and began choking her. The woman screamed, and her attacker fled. So 15 minutes later, patrolmen stopped a 48-year-old man named Noel Quintana, or it could be Noel, N-O-E-L. Don't say Noel. As he walked on Wheat Chief Lane about two blocks away. So these officers initially let him go, but other officers arrested him three days later and charged him with both the buckiest street assaults and the murders. Even though he did not match the description of the attacker, and the victim couldn't even identify him in a lineup. Which, I mean, you know, it's a traumatic thing, doesn't necessarily mean anything, but he also didn't match the description, so kind of odd. Then, on December 15th, 27-year-old Casey Mahoney's body was found in a wooded area, nude from the waist down. Friends and family said that Casey was a loving mother who was battling to clean up her life and reunite with her three-year-old son when she was murdered. Oh, I know. This is terrible, too. She had attempted to attend a drug rehab clinic in Philly that September, but had to leave because she lacked insurance. It's just so sad. So two days after Casey's murder, the Philadelphia police released CCTV footage of a man suspected of assaulting a woman in Kensington on December 6th, saying that this suspect could be connected to the recent murders. So now I'm going to give you a spoiler The guy they arrested, Noel Quintana, was not the Kensington Strangler, but he still spent almost four years in prison after he was charged in December of 2010. Mm -hmm. He ended up filing a federal lawsuit against the city and nearly two dozen other defendants claiming wrongful arrest, false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, and other civil rights violations. I couldn't find out about when they tested his DNA or if they even cared to test it. I don't know, but it didn't match. He was not the killer. So while the strangler was still on the loose and he was still in prison, a man's photo went viral on Facebook. 24-year-old Triz Jeffries was named as the Kensington Strangler and his photo was posted on Facebook and also on flyers around the United States. So I could not find out how this got started, But because of this, he started receiving threatening messages and an angry lynch mob gathered outside of his mother's home where he lived. Yeah. Well, he called the police because he's like, these people are wanting to kill me, basically. And he was escorted from the house in front of the mob. He volunteered for a DNA test, which proved he was not the killer. And police confirmed that he was not linked to any of the attacks, and now they were having to start a separate hunt for whoever was responsible for the Facebook group and all the flyers and all that. So basically, it's just, Mm-mm. he kind of looked like the flyer. Mm-hmm. It was just a case of mistaken identity that just, it's just a mess. I could not imagine. Well, I mean, on that note, they say you have a twin somewhere. Oh, gosh. They do. You never yeah. heard that? Doppelganger, yeah. And you're not ever supposed to meet them or something. You die or something bad happens to you. I can't remember. I don't know. But let me tell you, my Uncle Willie went to a... <laughs> oh, my God. Went to a Hooters in St. Louis. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I remember he was at my grandma's and he's like, Ashley, I met your doppelganger. I'm like, 
what? What is that? Where? And he's like, I was at a Hooters in St. Louis and I walked up to this girl and grabbed a hold of her arm and was like, Ashley Elizabeth. And oh she was like, no, nope. name's Kathy. And he's like, I swear. I was oh like, Lord. what is she doing working at a Hooters? <laughs> in St. Louis. Well, like, thanks. Thanks. You thought that I would. No offense to people that work at Hooters, but I'm. How old were you at the time? Like 22. Oh, okay. So that's. So it could have been me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that's, wasn't doing much better. That's the <laughs> I was working, but still. You probably get good tips. I probably don't know. do. I don't know. I mean, bartending at 22, you're, you're, you might as well be at Hooters. Oh my gosh, my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> <I swear. laughs> oh my gosh. That took a turn. Sorry. Well, yeah, Continue. No, it could. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. They just thought it was him. Forensic psychologist Louis B. Schlesinger said that sexual serial killers often choose strangulation as the method of their murder because it's up close and personal. He said the strangulation allows an individual to control the speed at which the victim dies, and this is very sexually stimulating for them. He also said most serial killers who fit the pattern of behavior for the Kensington Strangler are between the ages of 25 and 35. He said he didn't wake up one day. This began 10, 15 years ago in his mind, in his fantasies. And so then he eventually acted out. Like he'd been thinking about this. And then finally, after two false accusations, an anonymous tip led to the arrest of 22-year-old Antonio Rodriguez. 22? 22. And he was 5'9 and like 150 pounds. Very small. Not... You know what I mean? Not not very small. He's not six days. I'm just talking about for pounds. Yeah. someone to be a sh- killing a strangler. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't. Sorry, th- you wouldn't I'm not coming for the five. You wouldn't niners. see him and be like, "Oh Jesus, I'm scared. I'm yeah. scared of this guy." Yeah, exactly. He's baking he, cookies in a yeah, tree somewhere. He didn't have a scary presence no. about him. No. Well, he had been released from a correctional facility on August 29th that year after serving a three month term for a felony drug charge. As a felon, he was required to submit his DNA into CODIS on October 25th, but because of the backlog in Philly, they were unable to link him to the murders until January 10th, 2011. Yeah. So they had his DNA that whole time. The whole time. The whole time. It's just, ugh. Antonio was arrested in the kitchen of an abandoned house of an abandoned house on January 17th. He was homeless at this time. He ended up confessing. He claimed that he initially met the victims to use their services, but during the acts, he would start to choke and beat them until they eventually died. He kind of tried to claim that he didn't mean to kill them, but after this next part, you'll see why that's probably not true. He also said even when he knew they were dead, he would continue to have sex with their corpses. Ew! How could you be like, oh, I didn't know, but you, you knew, though, you were having... No, don't. Mm, isn't that there's something so grotesque about that? But hey, Ugh. people, people are into necrophilia, and I don't Ugh. get it. Ugh. I don't get it. Ugh. And it's the biggest f you to me. Like that's sure. just can you? You've already strangled, raped, killed, and now like you're going to continue gonna to rape desecrate. My, yeah, Ugh. no. So sick. So the delay in his arrest of course caused controversy due to the time dna processing took place because if it had been processed sooner they could have arrested him before he killed casey yeah so murders happened in that time antonio rodriguez was charged with three counts of murder and was held in prison without bond early prosecutors announced that they would not seek the death penalty 
citing the accused history of mental illness and the fact that he waived his right to a jury trial. I could not find more information on the mental illness. But at his trial, Antonio's attorney attempted to bar the prosecution from presenting his client's graphic written confessions from being used in court, in addition to questioning the legitimacy of how they were obtained in the first place. Mm. Yeah. So Antonio was found guilty on all counts and handed three consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. The judge addressed Antonio during the sentencing and said, You not only violated these women when they were alive, but you also violated them after they were dead. You didn't even give them peace. Even though he was he had prior drug convictions, he was likely able to stay under the radar for so long because he was known as a mild-mannered, a mild-mannered and soft-spoken type. He was a quiet guy, not a big dude walking around causing ruckus, just under the radar, yeah. People aren't always obvious about being bad. It's, I don't know. No, they're not. So something else that stands out in this case is that Antonio crossed racial lines in choosing his victims. It's unusual, based on reports I read, to have several killings across racial lines. Typically, most white killers kill white victims and black killers kill black victims. Not always, but that tends to be the case. None of the victims murdered were African-American like he was. Antonio was adopted by a Spanish-speaking family as a child, had no arrests as a minor at all, didn't get into any trouble, but later turned to drugs as he entered adulthood and because of this struggled with homelessness. After sentencing, he was transferred to serve a sentence at State Correctional Institution in Rockview where he remains to this day. And it still blows me away that Noel Quintana spent four years in prison even after they found out that Antonio was the killer just a couple months later. I mean, this may come as a shock to you, Lacey, but our judicial system sucks. I know, I know. So basically, because of all the rapes that had taken Uh place, they tried to pin one of those rapes. Somebody, yeah. He had to have done something. That's kind of how it was. They're like, well, you must be guilty of something. Something. And it was that one where she couldn't identify him, and he didn't match the description she gave either. (sighs) And there was no DNA evidence. No evidence. Nothing. Nothing tying him to anything, and he still was there for four years. We know you did something. That's exactly how it was. It's like... That's not how it works. No, That's not no. the way he's – you put him away for a murder that he didn't commit, for three murders he didn't commit, and then you're trying to just pin a random – it's oh, – it's terrible. Mm-mm. I use a lot of sources from my research, and I'll link them all up in the show notes, but I first read about this case in The Cinemaholic. Should we take a quick break? Let's. I need a refill. Okay. So tell me about your case. (sighs) Mine has been covered 47,000 times. But not by you. But not by me. (laughs) And what was that? (laughs) My butt's sticking to the seat. It's hot. Stomach growling. Inty ways. Okay. But it's still interesting. So 43-year-old Gary Heidnick worked as an LPN at Philadelphia General Hospital. He lived alone, kept to himself, and neighbors would say he was kind of a weird dude. Oh, gosh. But a weird dude with needs. And he would often cruise the streets and look for sex workers. He also seemed to have no emotions. He was just very, yeah. So, anyways. Interesting. Yours is in Philly, too. I want, he might have gone down the same. 
May have picked up the Saintons. Yeah, gosh. So November of 86 was a cold night. Oh, never mind. And 25-year-old Josefina Rivera left her boyfriend's house on foot, pissed off about something per usual, and decided to try to make some money for the night. So that meant exchanging favors for money. It was getting late, and there weren't that many cars, and it was raining and yucky, so car pulls up, she introduces herself, makes a deal, and climbs inside. He had a nice car, expensive jewelry, but he wore stained clothes and didn't smell that great. But whatever. So he leaves and drives to his house. They pull up, and it is gross. The yard is trashy. There's old tires. Windows have bars on them. Oh, no. Inside the front door, there's porn stacked everywhere, like living room, dining room, just walls of porn, videos, VHSs, Mm-mm. all the things. I don't like that they went back to his place in the first place. That's, that's well, I like, mean, at least a hotel. It's raining, it's, it's cold, mutual. it's gross, yeah, whatever. Yeah. She's just like, whatever. Yeah. So dollar bills were taped to the walls and pennies were glued to the walls. Huh? Very bizarre. Like it was a tiki bar in sort, Florida? Like, like it was, what? um, what's the one bar that has all the bras and shit up on the wall? Floribama. Yeah. yeah. But Pennsylvania. So the two go upstairs to a bedroom and have sex. She gets up to get dressed and he comes up behind her, chokes her till she passes out. <sighs> and when she wakes up, she has muffler clamps around her ankles linked together with a chain. So it's kind of like shackles to keep her from moving. Oh, no. And she's in his basement. Yeah. So he tells her if she keeps quiet, he won't hurt her. Mm-hmm. There's a big piece of plywood on the floor, and he picks it up and pushes her into a hole that he has dug, which was like two feet deep, which is not that big. No. So she's begging him to let her go. Nope. He covers it and walks away. She's screaming hysterical. So he just blares rock music to drown out her screams. Oh, my gosh. Eventually, he returns, pulls her out, and beats her because she will not stop screaming. (sighs) Three days later, he brings down another woman, 24-year-old Sandra, who was mentally disabled. Oh, my goodness. This would go on for the next five months. So he was torturing them, not... Not killing them yet? He would feed them sporadically, keep them naked, and rape them. Oh, my gosh. The women were physically and mentally tortured. Josefina would become one of his accomplices eventually, helping him abuse other victims. In total, there would be six women who Henry kidnapped and tortured. So, Gary Heidnick was an abused child, like so many of these men Mm -hmm. that turn into abusive monsters. He was born in 1943 and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. His parents divorced in 1946. He and his younger brother lived with his mom for about four years. And eventually they went to live with their dad and his new wife. So his father abused them emotionally and physically. Kids made fun of him. But he did do well in school despite this. He always wanted to go to the prestigious West Point Academy. And joined the army. In the ninth grade, he joined a military academy in Virginia and spent two years there before returning to public school. He eventually dropped out of public school and joined the army. Once he completed his basic training, 
he trained as a medic and ended up in Germany where he got his GD. He started showing symptoms of mental illness and was prescribed some sort of meds for anxiety. He was eventually transferred to a military hospital in Pennsylvania where he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder and was honorably discharged. He was in and out of mental institutions for breakdowns and suicide attempts over the years. 13. 13 times he tried to commit suicide. Wow. His mother actually committed suicide in 1970 by drinking poison. Oh my gosh. Horrible. Horrible way to commit suicide. Oh gosh. Oof. So like most people, we seem to cover Gary heard a voice of God and decided to start a church. No, not another church. Yes. The United Church of the Ministries of God in 1970. (sighs) So there were five members and he was the bishop. He held weekly sermons at his home, which he had just bought a three-story home and began to go to the Elwin Institute for the Developmentally Disabled with his girlfriend and Jeanette Lacey's face right now. (laughs) So Anjanette was mentally ill and illiterate. She also had a sister at this institute. Gary checked her out one day for a visit and held her captive for 10 days before she was found. She was repeatedly raped and sodomized. Police find her and charge Gary with kidnap, rape, false imprisonment, and deviant sexual intercourse, as well as interfering with the custody of a committed person. These charges would be overturned on appeal after Gary spent just three years behind bars. I know, it's gross, and it just gets gross. That is something that it's all so bad that you, three years, that's That's it? That's it. That's it. Unbelievable. So in 1983, Gary wrote to a woman named Betty who lived in the Philippines. She was a mail-order bride. This went on for two years before Gary proposed. They were married in 1985, but she quickly realized that this was a mistake. He was abusive and he cheated on her. He would force her to watch him have sex with other women and would rape her. A year later, she was able to escape and go back to the Philippines. And Gary was charged with a bunch of shit, including deviant sexual intercourse, marital rape, and abuse. Turns out Betty was pregnant and gave birth to a son once she was back home. How awful. Yeah. Awful. It is so sad. Nevertheless, his church is still growing. It's growing? He had over $1.3 million and over $330,000 in assets. From the church? From the church. What? He's very smart financially and would invest in, yeah. Mm. So, back to Gary's kidnapping of Josephina. By 1987, Gary had forced Josephina to help him kidnap another four women, and he kept them in the basement, beat, tortured, and repeatedly raped them. In his mind, he was creating and growing his harem. Ugh. Gross. It's disgusting. 19-year-old single mom, Lisa, was taken two days before Christmas. Josephina and Sandra were forced to watch him rape and torture this 19-year-old. They were fed plain bread, dog food, and given water. (sighs) 
He would regularly beat them and force them to have sex with each other, electrocute and starve them. Oh my, it just keeps getting worse. It's worse. worse. He took a screwdriver and shoved it in their ears and ruptured their eardrums so they could not hear him coming and going. So they never knew where he was because they couldn't hear because he jabbed their eardrums. Lacey's face is red because she has swimmers here. I have swimmers here right now and just... Think, think oh of a God. screwdriver being oh shoved gosh. in your ear. No. Sometimes it hurts when I put a Q-tip yeah. in my ear. Could you? Uh-uh. Oh, Mm-mm. my gosh. Mm-mm. I don't like ear stuff. No. Mm-mm. Deborah was brought down a few weeks later, but she was a fighter. Josephina had been there for over a month now, and she had understood if she obeyed, he would take out the anger on the other women. He eventually started letting her come upstairs. She would cook for him. He would let her go outside with him. They would watch movies together. Seriously, She knew what to do to survive. Gosh. So on January 18th, Gary brings in 18-year-old Jacqueline. Mm. She was the youngest. He now had had women to breed a family of worshipers to carry on (sighs) his church. What a psycho. Yes. So in February, Sandra tries to escape. He tied her up and hung her from a beam after he beat her. She was left there for over a week. And when he came back, she was dead. He dismembered her body with a power saw, boiled her, and fed pieces of her to his dogs and the other women. Oh my gosh. He tells the other girls, if they don't (gasps) act right, then this will be them. So they knew. They knew. That is so messed up. But if they didn't eat, they they would would die. die. So they they had to eat. So neighbors call the police because of the smell. Police come. He tells them he burnt something. But they can come in and look. They're like, no, that's fine. What? Never came in. He invited them in. They were like, no, that's okay. Yeah. Deborah was punished a few months later for trying to escape. This time, he filled the pit in the basement with water and forced her inside. He stripped some wires from an extension cord, plugged it into the wall, and made Josephina hold them in the water or to her chains until he said stop. This would eventually kill her. Wow. Yeah. Josephina was forced to help Gary dispose of her body. In March of 1987... The two abducted Agnes Adams. He had to re- restock his harem. He's down two women. That, yeah. So now they brought Agnes in. A few days later, Josephina talked Gary into letting her say goodbye to her family. She said she was going to be with him forever, but she needed to say her goodbyes. And she would bring back another woman since they were down two. And he they brought trusted her to do that? He probably assumed she had Stockholm Syndrome, which yeah. is a coping mechanism. Yeah, of course. Two captive or abusive situations where victims have positive feelings towards their captors and abusers over time. So, yeah. He agrees and drives her to her old neighborhood. She tells him, park a few blocks away so no one would see his face or car. That way no one could identify him. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So, Josephina gets out of the car and walks around the block. As soon as she's out of his eyesight, she takes off running. Oh, thank God. 
Luckily, she was able to flag down a police officer who was driving by and tells him everything. That he shows him, you know, she shows him the bruises on her arms where she's been shackled, tells him all the things. The police officer spots him fairly quickly sitting in a parking lot in the same Cadillac she described. The officers drew their guns, arrested him without incident. Gary tried to commit suicide after he was arrested, but the guards intervened. At his arraignment, he claimed that these women already lived in this house when I moved in. What? Like he just found they them lived in. They That's lived in said. a two-foot yeah. deep pit in yeah. the basement? In the basement, no, I don't chained think up. So, yeah. sir. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, they don't come with a house. Oh, they, my God. You don't God. get a harem of women oh with a house. Oh, my God. No. You don't, you know. That is. Zillow does not offer that. No. I, I can't. I can't. Mm. So, at trial, they attempt to plead insanity. <sighs> But he had too many assets to be, quote, crazy. Yeah, he was good with money. His financial advisor called him an astute investor who knew exactly what he was doing. Gary was convicted of two counts of first-degree murder, five counts of kidnapping, six counts of rape, four charges of aggravated assault, and one charge of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. Gosh. He was sentenced to death. January of 1989, he attempted suicide again with no success. And his ex-wife, the one in the Philippines, actually petitioned for a stay of execution saying, he's not, he's not mentally sound. There's no way a mentally sound person could chop somebody up, cook them, and feed them to somebody else. But it's a little more complicated than that. But it didn't work. Yeah, no. The Supreme Court was like, no. Yeah, no. He, no. he knew it. It's like yeah. all about knowing what you're doing in right. the moment. Right. Yeah, no. No. Why would... Oh, I don't know. So 55-year-old Gary Heidnick was executed by lethal injection in July of 1999. His body was cremated, and he was the last person to be executed in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. And you know how you were talking about, like, they don't cross over, like, certain races. Mm-hmm. He was a white man, and he targeted only African-American women interesting. in their late teens and mid-twenties. So both of ours crossed. Yeah, race. crossed. That's yeah. interesting. Gosh. I mean. So none of those women were white? No. What? They were all African-American in their late teens and mid-twenties. Oh. I'm sorry, but getting electrocuted is horrifying. Oh, no. Being dismembered and boiled and fed to people is horrifying. Don't stick a fucking screwdriver in my ear, though. I Don't even threaten me with ear <sighs> okay. stuff. I will tell you whatever you want to know. I can't. I cannot. That gives... Ooh, Jam them in the ear holes. No. Awful. So the women, the rest of them were found and survived. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can you, I can't imagine in that. One of the interviews, Josephina says, like, I knew if we went back to that house, we would all die. Of course. He was going to kill us all. Yeah. He, she knew what she had to do to stay alive. Sure. It's not like she, she didn't wanted to want be involved. To. It's, oh, that's awful. Sucksville. That is one of the worst mm-hmm. cases. It's oh. terrible. There are a lot I more hate. obvious details that yeah. I did not, but I, you get the gist. Yeah, sometimes I don't need to it's go just into, too much. We don't need to hear about titties being cut off every episode. I know. Sometimes it really, I mean, I know it's, oh God. You can Google it. I won't. Or listen to <laughs> 700 other podcasts that talked about it or books or whatever, but uh-uh. I think I actually 
listened to a podcast that covered this. I could be thinking of a different one. It could have been, I think it might have been morbid. I could be wrong. It's actually when I was driving to your house to watch a scary movie. I listened to it on the drive <laughs> there. And oh, no, that's my, that's I my go-to. I was getting sick. I was oh, like, yeah. oh my God, this yeah, is the, I can't. I'm pretty sure that is the case. They went into more detail and I'm like getting dizzy as I'm driving. I'm like, I got to stop. There's one case. I don't remember which state it is. It's the Toy Box Killer. Oh, that's, yes. I yes. have a book about it. That. <sighs> That's literally the, the makes me like sweat. Like when I read the book and have listened to the podcast. Uh-uh. Case file has Awful. a good episode on that. Well, not good, but you know, what I, I mean? hate torture, obviously, oh, of any I kind, but sexual torture. Oh. I'm like, you have got to be it's like just hostile. Oh God. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Anyways, let's talk about something else. Fuck. Blech. I actually have a case to segue into, which it's not – it's true crime, but it's not murder, death, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of funny. I don't want to say funny, but it's – Give me anything besides screwdrivers in my ear holes. How about this? The headline was kind of funny. What was the headline? So as I was looking up a case for Pennsylvania, I stumbled across some news I had to share that I saw on True Crime Daily. I normally avoid that because it's a lot of children updates. It's too much. It really is. And But one headline read, multiple Amish juveniles arrested for driving horse and buggy while drunk. Give it to me. And I'm like, what? I'm intrigued. It's short and sweet, but according to a release report on June 17th at 7.06 p.m., a Pennsylvania police trooper in Sparta Township pulled over the horse and buggy after noticing that multiple Amish juveniles were riding unsafely in it. So they're hanging out. I don't know. It wouldn't they get on specific. The <laughs> I don't know. So I guess he pulled them over and he reportedly noticed the occupants had been drinking alcohol. I don't know if he could smell it or what, but a 20-year-old male was reportedly driving the horse and buggy and was charged with a DUI for underage drinking. Another 20-year-old male and two other – well, wait, sorry. He was charged with a DUI and underage drinking, mm-hmm. so both. Another 20-year-old male and two 17-year-old males were also charged with underage drinking. So four underage guys in a horse and buggy. The suspects were not named, but they were all runaways. Like, they took the horse and buggy, took some booze, and – I mean, not I guess they didn't take the booze. They found the booze. I don't know. And I Googled it because I was curious – you can get a DUI just by riding a horse. Well, yeah. It probably depends on the state, but it's like... Probably not in Arkansas. I don't know. I don't just, know. I guess you are steering the horse, but what if you're not steering? What if you're, you're on it and the horse does what it wants? So did they take them back home? I don't believe so. I don't. Were I mean, they they're on, all... Were well, they on their rum springa? They were not. They were just runaways. I don't... It didn't release any other details and because... Because they were minors. Yeah. Well... Well... Yeah. Two of them-ish, and yeah. But I was like, what is if this? If you were one of those Amish boys. We will interview you. We will interview you, and Lacey would love to have you over for a pool party. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but you got to shave your beard. We don't want strands of, There's enough of those. pubie hair no. floating <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> oh, Lord. We have a new patron. Yay. She'll probably delete us after no, this episode. Tammy P. from Illinois. Oh, yay. And I think this is our first patron from Illinois. Cool. I don't have the map down here. We're recording somewhere else right now because it's too hot upstairs. But thank you, Tammy. Thanks, Tammy. We will send some stickers your way. And, of course, you know, I love telling you about the 
the DMs and emails because I always forget to tell you throughout the week. And I just oh, like, boy. I'll add them in a note later. Patron Heather H. had a show suggestion because I was like, I need a break from true crime. She said, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I watched the first season or two and I did like it. I need to pick it back up. It's just kind of like. Never seen it. It's it's very, it's comedy. It's not anything no. doom and gloom. But we also got a nice email from Donnie J. And the subject line reads, my ladies of murder. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, boy. And he said, first off, be you, cussing or not cussing. We're all adults here. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you, Donnie. I assume he's a man, but it, it could be a woman. Could be a girl. It could be a girl. But anyway, they had a case suggestion for Oregon. And I'm going to keep that on the DL in case we decide to cover it. I'll tell you yeah. after we record. Donnie's also a bartender. We love that. We love a. I love a bartender. You do. I love the drinks. <laughs> Lacey's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> oh boy! And they gave us a couple of drink suggestions: a gimlet with vodka instead of gin for you, with a mint twist. Have you ever had a gimlet? You probably have. It's like I think mostly lime, simple syrup, and gin. No, sounds horrible. They're good. I'll try it. And for me, because he said I have a sweeter palate, he said a green tea. And I'm not like sure. Like from Sonic? Well, I don't think they meant an actual cup of like hot green tea. I don't know what's what in it? it. I don't know. He didn't give you? No. Mm. Donnie, we need the recipe. Google. Got a green tea. I mean, I like a green Where tea. Where is Donnie from? I don't know. God. Um, I'll email and get, get some, more need some more juicy deets. information. I did make a fun, well, it's not a cocktail, but I made jello shots for the first time in my life this past weekend. They were good. And then they melted. And then we drank them. Yeah, they were, it was like Starburst Blue Raspberry Jello with Rocktown Vodka, easy. And then I put little peach rings and a gummy bear in it like it was in a pool in the water. They're cute. It was cute. They're cutie pies. And I finished Evil Season 2. And? I'm... I got I, – I can't say too much. I don't want to give anything away. It's just like I have so many questions. Well, you're not going to get them answered in season three. I'm watching that now, and guess what? They bamboozled me. Now I had to get the month-long oh, thing because I ran out of my seven days. I couldn't finish it. Damn it. I can only watch so many episodes a night. Not me. I've binged the shit out of it. <sighs> I just started um, – what the hell did I say it was? What's his name? My paper. Candy. Candy on Hulu. I'm just in the first episode. That's Jessica Beale, right? Or is it something else? It's Jessica Beale. Okay. She's got a shitty fucking Laverne and Shirley perm. I saw that in the, the picture. It's good, though. Is it about true crime? Like, what it's, is it? Something's happened. I'm oh, just on the first episode. Like, like, I got like 10 know. minutes left, and I had to come huh? over and record. So, interesting. Something's happened. There was blood everywhere. Somebody's not answering the phone. Oh, it's a whole thing. I'm intrigued. There's only like maybe seven episodes or eight. I'm way wrong. Probably there's like 10. But. I can't wait to leave here and you and go home and binge it. <laughs> I'm um, a binger. Yeah. Well, I, I really, wish I could. I really need to stop doing that because then I run out of shit to watch. That's true. But it drives, like last night, I only was able to watch one episode of Evil. And I'm like, ah. And then I'll I started up. another one and I'm like, no. it's too late. I cannot. I'll stay up. I can't. I'll, <sighs> I'll be binging at one o'clock. I, I but do we ever get any answers about what the grandma's up to? What in the world is she up well, to? Well, wait till you see season three. You're going to be like, this bitch. She's a mess. What She's a mess. If but you watch Evil, hit me up about what's going on with this grandma. On, on, the, on the DL. 
We want to know what your thoughts of the grandma. What is she doing? I just have so many thoughts. I could do a podcast on my thoughts. I'm just kidding. What else is going on with you? Oh, gosh. My swimmer's ear. Now I need to ask the nurses. My kidney stone, your swimmer's ear. P.S. I still have it. Apparently, I don't know. You're still holding on. Maybe she's gone. I feel like I would have felt it. I don't know. I feel like you would have too, but you're not in any pain. She's a psycho. She's just hanging on for dear life. You cannot evade her. (laughs) She's squatting at this point. Oh, my God. She is a, a, what is is it? What's the word? What'd you call it? A frogger? She's a frogger. <laughs> this fucking frogger. Oh, and I have a frogger in my ear. You I have do. this water living in there. Uh-uh. I've done it all. I've gotten the drops. I've done alcohol. I've done the suction thingy. Uh, Can you feel it moving around? No. It just hurts. Well, right now it just, I can't hear very well out of my left ear. So sorry if this record, the editing's bad. Have you chewed gum? Yeah, I've done the excessive all yawning. All I got. I even at one point we started hitting the other side of my head. I was, I've just been like, I can't, it just hurts. Don't hit and if I touch my ear, it hurts. And that's miserable. It is. Maybe if you put a screwdriver in it. Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> it, it feels you like one was it. in there. I'll, I will help you. Oh boy! So where are we next week? We are in Louisiana. Okay. We have Louisiana and our Patreon episode Ooh, that's to right. record, and then we're two-week break. Two-week break. And I know we told the patrons last time, but we're going to do a shark theme because shark week happens in July, and I love a good shark it's holiday. It's all sharks. It's all sharks. <laughs> there is crime in it, I swear. There's, there's a crime. Lacey's covering a crime. There's I'm crime. I'm going to come facts. at you with the shark facts. I'm going to make a shark cocktail. Can't wait. A shark bite. We're going to record this with shark helmets on. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.